0: Welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod and we're up to episode 41 this week. I suppose there's a little bit of context needed for this. Um, If you haven't listened to last week's episode, um, if you did listen to last week's episode, bear with me. Um, So this week it's Kevin Sinclair. Um, I've got to apologise to him, I did call him Kevin Sink, um, and that's his Twitter handle, not his actual name. Um, So that was a bit of a boob on my part. Apologies Kevin. But yeah, so it's Kevin Sinclair this week, um, who I met when he dropped me a line last year to go for a coffee. We sort of said, yeah, let's do a project together if, if something comes around. Um, turns out he had been up to do a bit of printing with John Eason uh, up in Cooper Angus, who's a letterpress printer who was on the podcast last week. And we decided to do a couple of recordings and also collaborate on a couple of prints. So I'm pleased to say that the second print is now out. Um it's titled I don't know what I am and that's available cccdundee.com for slash store um, you can buy it through the Etsy shop uh, but you will have to pay the postage so if you want to avoid that you can come and pick it up so just drop me an email, a tweet um, it's, it's creativechitchatdundee at gmail.com um, if you want to drop me an email if you'd like to buy one of the prints and um, we can arrange a pick up um, and just do, the, do it that way which will save you the postage um, so yeah, I mean, Kevin's conversation was really interesting um, just as a, I mean, he's a, a fourth year product design student at the moment and we talk about his future and um, his plans for leaving and how he hopes not to be a sort of reluctant leaver of the city but hoping that there's enough opportunity or uh, ability to, to sort of sustain a product design practice here whether that's creating a studio of his own or um, an employment opportunity. He sort of got into that and one of the amazing things that I I took from this, um, he talks about Dundee not trying to be in Edinburgh or Glasgow, which I think is a really poignant statement and that we should be championing what Dundee's great at as a small city with a really driven creative community, Um, but also sort of nurturing the independence. So trying to be a place that's known for independent designers making their way and sustaining their practice. Um, it'd be great to be the place that people come if they want to start up their own little business or little studio or whatever that may well be. Um, it'd be a great thing to aspire to. Um, and on a on a similar note to that, uh, something that was launched last week is the Dundee's Creative Industries Strategy. Um, so it's been created over the past sort of, I don't know, it's probably about a year now um, where... Creative Dundee facilitated it, got together a whole bunch of creatives and sort of industry stakeholders in the city um, and gathered all this information and sort of pulled it out of everyone and collated this into a strategy for the city. So that's now been released um, on a bunch of different formats. Um, I was involved in some of the, the design work uh, for this. So you can go on the website where you can comment, you can read the whole strategy, you can download the PDF. Um, but. What we also did was create an audio recording, so same as a podcast, you can just sit and, and listen away to your heart's content, um, because I think strategies are something that are generally quite long and boring, um, which this isn't at all, but the audio version just gives you a nicer way to digest it, um, and there's lots of great great bits and pieces, there's, there's loads of really important things for the city and for... You guys that are listening, um, loads of things that are really going to affect you. So I'd say if you haven't done it yet, go and have a listen or a read. And that's dundecreates.com. So yeah, I mean I think that's all the housekeeping. If you are new to the podcast, um go and give us a follow. Uh Instagram and on Twitter, it's at ccc dundee, and you can join the Facebook group, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ccc dundee. And that's the best place to keep up to date. Um, yeah. So, it's time again get into the episode. Uh, so this is number 41. And this is with Kevin Sinclair.
1: So, after school, I left and studied music for uh, a couple of years, three years. Um, it was a good time. But I think as you kind of go on with these things, you understand a little bit more about what it is that you're particularly interested in and what you're maybe not so interested in. So for me it was yeah, it was a really good first experience outside of a, a hometown. Come from from far north, east, and a place called Wick. Not so many facilities up that way, so Edinburgh was a bit of a change. So it was good. But um like I'm saying there's definite almost a volume in what's what's not for you just as much as what is mm. for you. And sometimes it takes a while to learn that. Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. Um, so I kind of, I was fine. I took a year out. I wasn't too sure on what, what I was wanting to do and where I was wanting to almost go. So I worked for a small company in, um, in, in, in Edinburgh itself. And it was really good, good bit of responsibility, different wee jobs, photography stuff. And yeah, just, Interacting with customers and seeing what it's like firsthand is quite quite cool. So um, did that for a year and a bit, and I thought oh, just something else that I had a wee bit of an itch to do more. Um, so I went on and on, and that, like I was working full time then, and at night times would go and go and make a folio up. Then um, some projects that have kind of been swirling in my mind and things that be like, oh, I think this could be. Think this could be a bit better than it is, or I've had this maybe a further conceptual idea that maybe would look nice in a folio and try and photograph it and try and make something of it. So I applied um, to a couple of different unis and yeah, went up and down various ones to interview and whatnot. Um, landed in Dundee, <laughs> yeah, so. So that was three years ago now. That's three years ago, yeah. So in two thousand and fourteen, um, just turned up. Never even have, never even set foot in a city. I think only, only having gone, changed buses from a from a binai bus station um, to go home. So I got off, kind of. I don't know. Not expecting too much, but also just like yeah, being almost quite open to, to what's going on as well, trying to trying to understand a little bit about it. And same thing, walking up the street and all, all these things, new new kind of faces and sights. Got up to uni and there was just a nice vibe, almost immediately I think. Uh, and it almost something that put me at ease about Dundee. And I was like, hmm, there's definitely something here that's a charm or a character that's hard to say what. And it was literally there. For, I was two hours in Dundee, and I, it, it felt um, quite prominent to me. So that swung it ultimately. Yeah. So was that
0: feel for the place
1: just feel for from the place, initial visit that yeah you decided that? I think so more so, true. more so than facilities, or even like exact parameters of a course and everything else. It was just it felt quite open in terms of what you want to do. You can almost stretch your own wings however you like. Yeah, I mean, that was quite exciting. So you're now three years into a four-year course. Yeah.
0: Um, studying product design. Mm. Um, but it's all sort of part of social digital um, as a whole, so it's sort of working with the interaction designers at the same time. Yeah. Um, and sort of a bit more cross, cross-disciplinary. cross Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what do you think are the sort of the key things and the most important skills or things that you've learned over these these three
1: years? Mm, yeah, there's quite a lot of crossover with interaction design. And at first you're kind of like, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this per se. But you soon realise that they're inherently very linked mm-hmm. and they go along. Like You, get, you actually can't have one without the other. Thinking about either a product with an interaction, or thinking about an interaction with a product, it's just they are they go hand in hand together. Yeah, so, I mean, even in the, the sort of vocabulary,
0: you have people calling themselves product designers who make digital products yeah. as opposed to physical products. So there's a there's so much crossover in yeah. that, even in the terminology.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think at first people were quite interested in staying within their own confine, almost. Okay, I'm I'm doing products. I need to stay can't like dabble with these other things, all these other terms and whatnot, so as you as you kinda of go on through a course, um, it was a bit more like, oh, I actually understand where these things fit in together and why they play off each other. I think with that though, one of the things skills would have learned is that it's important to show work convertly. Kind of and I think saying that, it almost sounds so obvious that you think, well, of course you have to show your work. But I mean, in the sense of from being like, an analogy might be like somebody who plays guitar really well in there. So kind of showing and sharing your work quite early is important. I think I was quite guilty of that before from playing music where you would just practice on your own for ages and be a quote-unquote bedroom musician who doesn't really show people what you're working on and almost get your whatever it is that you do out there. So I think... But that's th- not necessarily an easy thing to do because no,
0: you can be self-conscious that it's not quite ready. Yeah, definitely. And um, that it doesn't have the quality that you desire yet. It's yeah. still quite rough. And you mm-hmm. you can often be worried that it's going to take a slate in and you're going to get buzzed yeah. and then you're going to be all down about it. And yeah. it's going to be a worse experience than, yeah than it normally necessarily is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the other thing that's tied to that is feedback. Yeah, um, It's that ability to get feedback early and often.
1: I think you're so right. I think in times when you've been like, oh, I don't really want to show us. And then you end up do showing it. It's either well received and you'd had none to worry about, or it's either there is feedback and you can make it better. And then you're more open to, Oh, I should have seen it, or I could have seen it differently, and then as a result of I work is stronger. Both of which are better than, in effect, keeping them to yourself. Yeah. Uh, so, given something and given an audience, uh, particularly at an early stage, or, or chatting to people is is definitely something I think those mm. come out of it. Because
0: that's something that you develop slightly further, though, right, into a, a sort of a concept or a project that you ran at the uni as well
1: yeah that's right so we had a couple of us um we were actually looking to to create a almost like a little grip that that would we could feedback off each other before you know before we ended up displaying work maybe publicly or for an end of a semester like like an internal show almost of work it was almost like ah, there's there's so many people doing cool stuff in uni that you just don't really have access to in one particular case, actually, the reason that this whole event started was, I went into another department, and I was like, "I'm quite interested in looking at or getting some samples for this, I'm not say which department," but they were like, "Oh, we're not, we're not too sure on how that would work. Like, not too open. <laughs> you can imagine." Um, so, being quite shocked at and just a bit like oh well i'm just wanting to pick your brains on the right kind of material to use i've got a thing maybe it would be complimentary for what i'm working on but it was still a bit of an uphill struggle struggle. to get there yeah
0: Yeah, i suppose departments have got their own little i suppose you you work in a certain area in your studios and then your little box space and then sort of self-contained Whereas I suppose, yeah, it, it, it'd it be good to have that cross-pollination, the mm. collaboration. The, yeah. But where the difficulty be- comes is in the resources, mm-hmm. the sort of financial thing of it, or just people's mindsets of how the art, sh- art school should operate. Yeah.
1: And we, we actually looked at it. We, we took it quite... I, I took it up with one of, the, one of my course heads, and I was just like, ah, you know what? I've had this experience, and I'm not particularly thrilled at it. Maybe could we look at doing something with, you know, Maybe not putting it into a curriculum per se, but could there be like a little brief snippet before everybody gets... Or maybe at the end of every project where we get together, perhaps before previewing it, that we could be like, oh, here's an opinion from somebody entirely out with your discipline to go and review that project. Um, so this thing almost came about for exact reason. It was called the Crit Cafe, and it was an after kind of, after uni event, which just put on free tea and biscuits and got people to take stuff that they're working on along. Um, jewelry, we had different textiles, we had awesome product design, there was um, graphics and stuff. It was just really nice and one of the actual things that we specified is that we don't want the work to be finished. We want it to be, to come along and to just just jam along and see what's, oh, I see you're doing this this way, why don't you try this sort of thing. We had a a sculpture um, student speaking to us about oil clays and how different tools they used, and we were using like expanded polystyrene, and all that stuff. And he's like, oh, "You should, you should move over to this because it's much more like dexterous and for certain applications." And we were, you know, weren't even exposed to that through a curriculum. So it's, I don't know, getting away from a silo of your own department can be quite quite insightful mm-hmm. um, so that, that, w- that was good fun and I think just to kind of shock people in that oh yeah we actually maybe should start speaking to folk out with it but it's yet to be it's yet to be um, taken on board from a staff kind of level mm-hmm. But I think-, I, mean,
0: I think that that concept in itself um, would lend itself well to a sort of wider um, industry based yeah, uh, sort of practice as well yeah. if you were to open that up and have a combination of people working in creative industries and um students and whoever mm-hmm. else just bring along a piece of work and
1: yeah, start that conversation and I think it'd be incredible. Like you could even get people external people in who were maybe involved with a similar thing, who maybe have a studio or are established in that field, you know, get people saying, Okay, have you thought about Maybe approaching it slightly differently because even within your department you're still within a uni, so I guess you're st- all you're in say a kind of incubator within an incubator already you know two like Russian dolls so to speak um of layers so yeah that was
0: so maybe that's an an idea for for taking it forward yeah. um, beyond university is to, to again I think the links from university to the industry, need to be stronger. Yes, um, definitely. And I think it's little projects, little um, sort of mechanisms or events or things like that mm-hmm. that can start to facilitate it and start yeah. to, to help. I mean, it would help students make those connections um, and help industry make connections to the, to the students and to mm-hmm. the talent that's going to be coming out. Because, again, yep. that's one of the other issues that needs addressed is the, mm-hmm. uh, the opportunities post-graduation
1: mm-hmm. to, to keep people here. Yes, Exactly. Um, Kind of like retention of... of you
0: know. Yeah, I think it's, it's something I've chatted about with a lot of people um, on and off the podcast and that it, it is a big issue mm-hmm. um, that isn't solved easily or quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take a long time yeah, um, to get to a point where we can
1: have an attractive mm-hmm. offering. Um, if, you, if you think about it as well, what it really does by having a degree show for however many weeks, a couple of weeks, 10 days or so in summer, it really only allows people or public to interact with students and everybody else in it or to get an insight to what's going on for a short tight period of time but a whole year round there's no other there's almost no bridge between these so how do you further break out down with it
0: yeah i mean i think there's I mean, you'll know yourself, there, there are events out in the, the creative community that, yep. I mean, you've been to like, things like Pecha Kucha, yes. um, they're the sort of big ones that everyone yeah, comes to. Definitely. Um, But that's not to say there shouldn't be shouldn't be more of them, mm. even on a smaller scale, whether it's 5, 10, 15 people, mm-hmm. they can still be doing really valuable things and starting to build those definitely. links. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you've got a great point in that students turn up in September, they then beaver away for mm-hmm. however long and... and uh, prepare the degree show and then mm-hmm. it's like oh come and see what we did mm-hmm. um, but it would be a, a, a healthier approach if you like to to open it out more
1: yeah because uh, if you could in a way start at quite early then it would almost you wouldn't get to a point that by end of your degree you were just like okay I'm, I've graduated now I'm going to export all these things that I've learned to, to London or somebody else, somewhere else you know it would be more like start trying to capture their imagination earlier and mm. saying, Oh, there is links through industry and through contacts and through petra-catches and all the other strands of it that could come along quite early so that it's almost like a foundation. Um So you yourself have you found how easy have you found it to sort of
0: start engaging with the, the community around the university, around the city, the creative community?
1: Yeah, I think definitely in in, in uni itself, it doesn't feel that difficult because there's, there's like a kind of database you can look kind of anybody up and just, you're always a kind of phone call or email away and it's pretty good. Um, but the idea, is word community though, is something that's hard to almost pin to one place, isn't it? Like I got in touch with you by just sending you an email mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and that was thankfully effective <laughs> enough there's definitely, uh, I think there could be more done to put all those, like almost like a resource that could collate all of those almost creatives in a certain place mm-hmm. um, and allow that to be a little bit easier. And I don't know. There's definitely work to be done in it. I don't know what that necessarily is, but I think it's there's definitely stuff that's, Worth hmm, really squeezing and saying why is it exactly like this? Why can't we, why can't we do something slightly different? And do a, you know, maybe a little bit more service design approach. Mm. Um.
0: So to go back to the, the sort of links between industry and university, um, yeah, there's a project that you're involved in um, as part of your third year, yeah, um, which um, pulled in two industry partners. So track the sort of. Um, Textiles and, and bag manufacturer um, and instrument, sort of minimal watch yeah. you know, creators, both sort of young startup yeah. companies based out of Glasgow. Yeah. Um, who came in and sort of set the brief mm-hmm. um which was to create a, a light mm-hmm. of some description or sort. Yes. Um and then you had to pick the company that you wanted to yeah. to deliver the product for mm-hmm. um and then craft and create this and go through your design process. Yeah. Um so what was it that you created to answer that that brief,
1: so I started off actually looking at both and i had i've actually had a couple of ideas for for either, but I thought that the one kind of more challenging and more i guess um one that would act more in a way as a something to show something to to almost prove to myself that there was actually quite a lot of different branches in this. To almost to learn there's a little bit more um, scope for for other other uh, skills to come into So I was like well more challenging one I thought that uh, time was going to be instrument and I, I, I took that one on um, it was really good though being involved with an industry reef is a lot different than I sure you remember like from stuff in uni years kind of like oh yeah there's no actual deadlines and you know Definitely a lot more real. Yeah, if You, know, yeah.
0: you have a, a
1: a person that you're sort of answering to or designing for. and somebody's actually you know relying on you to deliver a thing, and you're like, oh, I need to you know get to it. So um, yeah, it, it was quite interesting. We, we looked into almost different styles of minimalism and what what it really meant to to, to strip things back. Um, so I ended up could have gone for like a pendant, like a hanging light, or also looking at a series of different desk lamps. Um yeah, so I I went for this, this kind of hand kinda of style of light that's maybe about yeah two hundred and fifty mils high off a table. It kinda of mirrored an actual light bulb in a way. And it was yeah it was it was it was a really interesting kind of mix of of things that were involved there was like some metal work itself there was like electronics and different like digital fabrication stuff like there's 3d printing and there was uh learning ahead of it work with gears and
0: because um, I remember when you showed me your, your sort of the prototype of it which has got a final stage and that's prototype right. and you have this so it's a sort of milled aluminium base yeah um which looks i mean it's solid it's got mm-hmm. a real nice feel to it um which is it then becomes the controls for the light which mm-hmm. is a sort of frosted um dome that sits on top of the yeah like um, i'll put a link in the show notes to mm-hmm. the, the visuals so people can understand it yeah um and then i suppose you had all this the mechanism the gear and the 3d printed cogs inside that internally yeah yeah and all to sort of facilitate the light interaction
1: yes so the whole interaction was that i wanted to to remove the switch per se and include include the switch and uh, and the brightness to be in one movement and that you actually twisted the light itself the, the body of the light to to do that so another another element of that was was temperature color temperature it was quite it's like mm, i wonder if it could push it a little bit further and say could you have two of these dials effectively which were the actual body of the which which you would rotate and yeah it kind of came together there's a lot of CAD work and a lot of measuring and a lot of scratching my head and how I'm gonna hold this in a machine and how how am I gonna make it feel like a real product not just a concept and not just a something that maybe looked like it worked or something that worked but didn't look like how I wanted it to. Mm. You know, to almost feel like a production piece. That was the that was the absolute goal um for this. Cause you were then
0: sort of invited once the, the project was over, you were invited to, to take the light into the instrument uh, right. shop front.
1: Yeah. So they're they saying yeah we quite like the you know your approach and the, the output would we really chuffed to see it our shop for it was through June I believe it was um, I had some really interesting feedback on different ways people held it and they were like oh how does this kind of work that people were looking for a switch and of course there's no switch and then um, just sizes and almost that for me was getting it in public like we were talking about before putting it in front of people that that have no idea maybe on what's gone into it but are just would just be a the consumer of this mm-hmm. product so that was really interesting and um i guess scary as well because you're thinking oh I'm, is this going to break is it going to is it going to hold up for for four and a bit weeks so i was i was eager to expect a phone call saying well it's lasted a couple of days but part of it's fell through or otherwise so another interesting conversation which i had or which i overheard even was in John Lewis there was a I was passing through I was waiting for a, for a train in one day in in Glasgow after conveniently after just dropping this light off and there was a couple talking about how uh, one of the lights looked a bit high off the table they're like oh she's like we Archie he would he'd not got over you know I'd be dangerous because you know this bulb was made of glass and I was just thinking in my mind hmm maybe it should have been maybe if, if we were to actually go Forward with this and look at how it could be produced in a way that maybe it would have to be, you know, some kind of polypropylene, like a, some kind of plastic dome versus like an actual metal, like a frosted metal bit, like you said. So, some equally interesting conversations that you just stumble onto and are less planned, less focus groupy, and more sort of hmm, off the cuff. Yeah. So, what's your plans for it now then? I've been looking actually into, I've been exploring a little bit of how valuable it would be to produce it. And it's a bit difficult in terms of quite a lot. Of, it's, it's fine making one of these things, but to actually then say, how do you make 50 of them is a different challenge altogether. Mm-hmm. So like you said, it was machining before, which is you take a larger bit of material and you. you you subtract material until you're you're left with your part yeah but um was also looking into extrusion for it which would be effectively how pasta is made in that (laughs) you heat up metal and you create a die and then that's forced through the forced through to create this cylindrical profile so there's pros and cons to both um one is one is much more expensive to set up initially but cheaper per unit and the other one is kind of consistently expensive, but you don't need to commit to 500 of them. You know, you can just do 10 and it's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's challenges with it. Um, but there's potential that you could yeah,
0: mm. produce it uh, yep. for sale. But yeah. Um, so beyond a sort of university, um, over the summer, I know you've been doing a bit of work. Uh, one of the new bars that's opened up That's as right. a sort of... Suppose, as a project to run over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did that how did that come about and how how was that as you, an experience?
1: Yeah, it was it was really interesting actually. So again, going actually work going working with people <clears throat> who are not in union, they don't have this, this almost full deadline it's quite interesting. They're actually relying on you to Oh, we need this thing by a certain time. So it was one of my friends actually he he put me on to it. He he originally had the had the job and then something came up to go to he got to go to China for a, a couple of months. And he's like, Oh, I know this other guy though. He he'll be able to to, to take a reins, so to speak, from here. And I was like, Well Yeah. So what was the it. what let's was the,
0: the brief then? What was the
1: job? So in effect they're they're starting up this new space, both upstairs and downstairs. They needed a way to to break up the interior. So they've got a couple of different areas. They've got like jam jar, the bit that goes through, from, uh, one of the sides, and then to split that up, there was these partition walls that we needed to create that were going to be hung from, from the riff. And um, so we worked with an artist, um, goes under the name of Whimsical Lush, mm-hmm. Dundee based. It's been on the podcast. Yeah. She was she was really good and provided us with like she, you know went back and forth and be like oh well we want to where we keep it quite kind of organic looking and not too geometric, but still mirroring I guess what, what they're trying to do with space because mm-hmm. um, so it's the, the Bird and Bear the, the new bar it has been open as well a few and Bear, weeks yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, formerly True Kitchen True and, Kitchen yeah True yeah. Pizza True yeah. Everything <laughs> <laughs> so that was good and we, we went back and forth and we we kind of settled on a design and um, it's one of those things where I haven't really done a, a laser cutting slash fabricating of these style of panels before but I knew in theory how, that, how it all worked and there was nothing, I mean we do similar stuff to that in, in uni through a year so I was like well yeah, just be just say yes to it and see <laughs> and I guess there's certain expectations that comes from it that you don't want to let them down and almost be a too you know Promise something that you can't be can't be done, but at the same time you're like, you understand. I understand the technology, and so it's mm. it's just a matter if we can finesse it enough to make it look. So there were sort of a, a
0: series of of panels yeah. um, that were to be laser cut with a with a pattern. That's right. And so, where how did you go about sourcing sort of materials or mm. laser cutters or?
1: Yeah, so we had to do. We actually had to do quite a lot of. Different, different work for like research. We started off in uni, because yeah, we have a large. The problem was bed size on that one, so you can get up to like A3, I think, on certain machines at uni, which we used to kind of test the idea and how it would look. But another big part of and kind of problem was these weren't just going to be like a straight set of panels. They need to be almost bespoke fit. So there was a good bit of like measuring and site planning and things that went around it, so there's a lot of back and forth with that. Um so it was like DCA trialing some more stuff. And then we realised that time wise that the machine just didn't cut it. It was there was a couple of different problems that we were having um with material and strength of a yeah, opening hours and all sorts. So we ended up we had to do like part partly outsourced and then we were going back and forth for um yeah, just we we found somebody that that would be that could meet the relatively quick turnaround that we had, um, and that would fit in with their kind of painting schedule. they needed them to be, you know, then hung and then installed, and then that was another kind of series of challenges that I don't know you kind of overlook in a way, and then yeah. You know how it is. These kind of things get yeah. I mean, it's, quickly. it's
0: it's taking your work and putting it into that real world context and all the yeah. problems that arise around that and all the rest of it. And Yeah, you want that that piece to be perfect as yeah. it goes in. So you've got to take in all these other factors into consideration.
1: Almost leaving enough time for finessing as well as just it being finished. Yeah. Um, so that was one one sort of. So now, I mean, the, the panels are now installed. That's and right. Yeah. They all look great. Uh,
0: yeah. It's uh, sort of dividers across the space. Yeah,
1: yeah so it's yeah. upstairs and downstairs. Yeah,
0: so it must be nice to, to have a place you can go in and sort of see your work. Yeah, on, like, it is walls, cool. Yeah,
1: yeah there's a, it's been in a few times. They had a think they had a hip-hop breakfast on one of their first week that they were open, so it was yeah it was really good. Um. But yeah. So, so
0: you've had a bit of a taste of, um I suppose, freelancing, if you like. Yeah. That's what you want to call it, from the summer. Yeah. Um, yeah, and sort of putting a product into um, a sort of real-world shop environment and getting mm-hmm. feedback off the back of that. Um, so after this year, um, looking post-graduation, what, what do you want to do? What's your, ambitious, what's your ambitions? What's your goals going forward?
1: Good question. I think we were speaking about, we've spoken about this before, about keeping people here and what it would mm-hmm. evolve to keep people here I'm kind of a believer in that if something is that you should be able to recognize almost what's good about a place so I mean first of all you're, you're happy to stay here I'm exploring it most definitely yeah I'd love to stay here um because all the things we've talked about there is definitely opportunities and exciting stuff and I don't know Dundee as an almost underdog itself is I'm a big you know fan of the underdog and a support that style of. Um. So I guess I guess in a way it would be should it stay and could it facilitate Alma? You know, would it would it be viable to stay? And some kind of studio I think would be would be good. Maybe perhaps with a couple of others. Um, maybe it would have like a works kind of like a workspace alongside it. I've had an idea also about creating maybe goods that were almost conceived and designed, sourced, manufactured and sold here in Dundee would be, as I say Dundee, it would be almost assembled in Dundee um, from ideally like local, as local as you could get, but Mm. maybe quite an interesting exercise to then say, how could we keep things here and how could we kind of celebrate Dundee's, Dundee's really uh, unique, certainly we like Fabric and textile stuff. There's quite a few... Should you go and look for it? You know, there's quite a few curious suppliers and manufacturers out there that that I think would be interesting to collaborate with. And So, I think that's definitely something to explore. So, best case scenario, you'd want to start your own practice. Yes.
0: Um, create a workshop and a studio with um, some of your course mates at the moment or yeah. other people, creatives. Yeah. Um, so... What, what would it be? Um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this now. So, so what would it? <laughs> I think. Trying to think. I say, what is it that like to go to drive you away from here? Okay, so best case scenario for you would be to graduate from university start your own practice start creating products have a workshop studio space Mm -hmm. where you can sort of run that yourself and work with others and and sort of share that space with other people potentially on your course or that have um are in the creative industry at the moment yeah um but what What's stopping you just going and going? Want to one of the big exciting companies down south or mm. in Glasgow, Edinburgh, or or, or somewhere else?
1: Mm. This is interesting. It's something that I've been thinking about from for quite some time, and is, I guess, something that you imagine. You think, oh, what's the it's ideal kind of place that you want to be in? I've heard different stories and different different experiences of it. First of all, just shipping everything into to London, wherever it is, it feels almost like a, you know, a quick and easy, oh yeah, I'll just move down and London doesn't really need another design studio of my caliber, you know, whereas here, I don't know if there's even any that, you know, would be kind of similar, and I think to me that's, that's just as exciting, maybe more so, to try and then say, to try and establish something new in a space that, you know, to be almost, pioneer in that space without necessarily then saying going down to london and fighting for tiniest scrap of work for whatever job it is versus up here you're like a bit more flexible and a bit more so i think there's definitely a time in that i've said actually i do want to explore what that would be like but then as as i've kind of gotten a little bit more experience and plan with it i'll actually really like the flexibility of, of doing stuff myself or maybe with other people that are you know having that kind of option to do to be a kind of larger cog in a slightly smaller machine
0: mm. um so i think we're definitely at an interesting time in dundee where yeah there are a lot of independents um hopefully we'll attract a lot more but i also yeah. think that we will inevitably attract um studios and, and things like that as well when and, and the city starts to, to grow a little bit, then people say, oh, maybe we should have a satellite office up in in Dundee. Mm. And then that, yeah, then that might well become closer to the level that we see in cities like Edinburgh and Glasgow. Yeah. Um, sort of volume of, <clears throat> of design practices wise. Um, yeah. But yeah, at the moment, I mean, it's still quite fledgling. It's still quite small. It's still growing. Mm. And it's, still, it's healthy and it, it's moving at a, a good pace. So it is mm. an exciting time to get involved. Um, Very think. much. The difficulty in it will be sustaining that practice. I think mm-hmm. it's it's true of uh, the vast majority of the people that I've spoken to in the podcast and mm-hmm. that I speak to day to it, day. It's it's continuing your practice and continuing that income.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think when when you're looking at places like Glasgow and Edinburgh as well, they're, in a way they're established in their own way, their own kind of industries, and everyone kind of they've got really good. Maybe like infrastructure and certain fields, but I would really like Dundee to kind of to kind of not try and in a way compete with them directly, as in pretend that they're at the same level of. I think they should almost celebrate this their kind of difference in what Dundee, in what Dundee is as a place. Maybe as a champion of smaller startups, or maybe. Even something with um, creative practices that just aren't available in places like Glasgow and Edinburgh. So I know for sure actually that funding, depending on what it is, some regional funding is higher in Tayside area than it is for a kind of central belt. So that should be one other consideration should somebody want to start up. Um, I think, yeah, I'd love to see that,
0: that culture flourish where we yeah. see more independent shops yeah. that are I mean you've got got Cartercon, you've got, Carter got Hayley Scanlon yeah. which are, are clothing based but it'd be great to see product based mm. stores starting to open up in the, in the sort of realms of track or instrument yes. and those sorts of companies yep. um, it'd be great
1: to see see more people like that in completely agree and how do you make those people's those people like ambassadors in a way how do you make them more prominent to because we, we're lucky that we get quite a lot of talks by them but how do you if you weren't kind of involved with those circles, how do you kind of know about it? How do you understand what's how, why? Why is why is is that relevant that they have a shop here? Why is why are they so? I don't know what what are they trying to convey by by opening up, um, and how can everybody else get on board with it? Mm. It's quite it's a challenge, I think. And I mean, I I would absolutely love it,
0: Dundee to champion the small independent. Yeah. Um, but I think, as much as we've got to have the the people with the drive to create those businesses, I think you've got to have the balance of the support network there. And oh yeah, the more of, so I would say. You
1: yeah, know, infrastructure um, and.
0: Yeah, and I'd say okay. Well, maybe we'll give a, a reduced uh, rate for the first six months or whatever for yeah. startup businesses in these fields, or I, I don't know, but um, have some sort of incentive for that. Most and- definitely
1: from a council and just from anybody that. Yeah. I, I always say, I find it quite confusing that there's so many units that are vacant in town. Mm-hmm. But You're just like, and I've actually approached someone being like, oh, well, what's what kind of rateable, you know, value is everything going on? They'd be like, well, I mean, but there's almost no flexibility within that. So it's like, kind of, would you rather it be filled and maybe take 20% less or would you rather it stay vacant and yeah and i, I think that's uh what you're trying to do
0: there is challenge the mindset of of yeah. landlords and people who are the, the sort of gatekeepers to those spaces yeah and say okay hey, well what i'm not looking for is a 10-year lease on this place mm-hmm. i want three four six months um to run my thing from here and then i'm not necessarily going to stay i'm going go somewhere else and then you can get your big 10-year lease in but at Completely. least that space will be filled. It'll bring people through the door. It'll yes. be exciting. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, and then you look at places like... The, it always feels ironically named uh, Reform Street. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's exactly what I need. Um, and it's just... Yeah, there is so
1: many empty shop fronts. Mm.
0: And yeah, it seems a shame. It does. Um,
1: you, you, you wonder as well, would... How could, how could you say that the experimental stuff is also okay. Like, yeah, you've got one angle of it, which maybe like you want it to be commercially quite interesting, but to then go back to almost a fabric of what you want Dundee to be, maybe there is more, or maybe not more, but maybe there's kind of things to be learned from how companies retain people, versus maybe house. maybe there's an analogy there between how SETI could retain companies, you know? By treating them a certain way and almost nourishing them along to a certain point and encouraging that experimentation and weirdness that we kind of want as creatives, mm-hmm. you know, and we want people to be to be to to take a punt on,
0: yeah, and yeah. having that space to sort of play and yeah. get it wrong, yes, um, and that's okay, and then recover. Yeah. yeah, I think there should always be space and room for. For failure and the ability to mm. learn from your failures, I think that is, is massively important. Yeah. Um, okay, so to setting all that aside, um, to sort of wrap things up, um, who are your sort of design heroes or are the people that you you look up to for inspiration or advice or when you when you're doing your work or whether you're like down or whatever? Mm.
1: Um, probably my first one, and I think. Same for probably a good few people, was father figure. So my dad was incredibly kind of physical in building stuff, tinkering away with. we were lucky that we had like a kind of double garage, a home car, which was never in it. It was just full of tools and, you know, bits and bobs to make things and components everywhere. And I think from quite an early age, I was a really good thing for me to be able to see and not be too shy on working with materials. So getting hands on with wood and almost tweaking things to make them your own or when you buy something it's like, ah it's quite good, but I'll tell you what I could do with is this, <laughs> this little extra thing or why is this bit here? Let's take it off and adapt it, you know, to our own spec, so to speak. So he's definitely been he's definitely been a big inspiration. My mom has a frozen shoulder, so she's kind of, you know, throughout year, years we've been almost thinking about improvements for how she almost, you know, puts even like pans and, you know, utensils and bits and bobs up and how she goes about doing stuff, for her, you know, in-housing, trying to improve that access for her. So I think before I was even involved with design, you, in effect, were designing things. Mm. Yeah, you know? it was already part of your life. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't called design. It wasn't like, okay, let's sit down and design a thing. It was just, oh, let's make something better for somebody. Yeah, and you,
0: you're solving that problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, in whether effect, you identify
1: it as design or not. Yeah, know? and I don't think I was really aware of that until later on, um, that exact term. So that's been, really, that's been really good and, you know, lucky enough to have really good facilities and support from them so um, other other big ones farther from home like Jasper Morrison and bigger industrial designers um, like Johnny Hive all these all these kind of classic big you know big companies who are pioneering in their own ways but yeah there's quite a lot of different different fields that I'm interested in maybe not just through design itself, but even in even in food and you name it, something that's something that's just a craft or a or or when you see a product that you almost instantly understand that there is care gone into it, you feel
0: <clears throat> that you in a way, trust. So, do you want to give me an example of of one of those? Products that you maybe sort of regard as a design classic.
1: Oh, there's there's so many. Um there's so many. Take take the angle poise light. So your you think of your Pixar light. It was it was made by this guy, I think, called Kenneth I forget his surname, Grange is it? Kenneth Grange. One of these one of these dudes who started off as a mechanic and you know he kind of like this. Kind of sprung mechanism that almost like holds itself on. This, I don't know. It's it's just you can understand from using this thing that there's been a lot of decisions that have been made that are little things, little tweaks, little parts in the material that indicate that they just care, you know, they care about how you interact with it and they care about how you not just use it but how you almost live with it, Mm.
0: you know. I think. I mean, taking that as an example, it's not trying to hide anything. It's it's simple. Um, I mean, the mechanism is exposed, and that's part of the aesthetic of it, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, and I think that same ethos almost extends to every field. You know, when you see something, and it's like you can clearly tell that somebody has invested time and care and energy into something. That's. Really inspiring to me, and that I feel you can tell quite early on what falls under a category. Um, and that definitely is, don't know, something that is continuously coming through my, which is on my radar, you know, of uh, a little design. I guess what keeps me going and keeps me observant through a, through a day, but. Uh, yeah. No, that's great. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Um, just before we finish, um, if people want to check out your work, yeah,
1: um, or get in touch with you, how do they do that? So I'm um, at kev Sync, sink s i n k on all uh, media's Instagrams, Twitters, profiles, dot dot dot. So um, I'm in the, in the middle of revamping the website, but hopefully it'll be up and up and running soon. Um, but yeah, follow me on either or all of those things. Great. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And that was Kevin. Um Kevin Sinclair. <laughs> Thank you to him for coming on and for giving us an insight into his sort of thinking and being really open and honest, I think, about the nature of, difficulties at art school um, and around just thinking about uh, post-graduation as well. I think it's really great to get that get that perspective because he's, he's definitely not going to be the only one in that boat and I think it's something that that the wider community has to address. Um, there's loads of issues there. Um, again, I can't stress enough um, how much you should go and just read the Dundee Creative Industry Strategy. So yeah, com. go and give that a read right now. Go and do it. And yeah, the the posters, obviously the prints, sorry, the letterpress prints. Um, So both of them now available on the store. Or if you drop me an email, um, you can come and collect them in Dundee. Perfect for your festive gifts to a loved one. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's it for the podcast this week. Um, It just leaves me to recommend one for you. Um, So this week, it's actually a new one I've come across, and I've only just started listening to it, but it's it's pretty funny. Um, It's called Weird Work. Um, So it's hosted by Sam Balter, Um, and he just talks to people with really bizarre jobs or ways of making a living. Um, There's one woman who is a mermaid. Um, Someone who makes a whole lot of money off ASMR videos and someone who writes dinosaur and monster erotica which it is it's absolutely bizarre um, there's only I think what 8 or 10 episodes out but yeah I mean it, it's great to lose yourself in a sort of half an hour uh, episode about just some complete randomness so yeah if you want to check that one out it's weird work and I'll put the link in the show notes to that um, so that's it yeah, give us a follow and um, go and tell a friend at CCC Dundee um, and help spread the word. Until next week then, bye. <laughs>